You are listening to Girls Speak, a podcast series all about art, history, and contemporary culture with a girl's eye view. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 86 of Girls Speak Greek Mythology. I'm Devon, a junior girl with Girl Museum. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, or streaming us today. Girl Speak is produced by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood. Girl Museum explores the art, history and culture of girls around the world in the past and the present. All of our programmes are volunteer run and supported by listeners like you. Visit us on the web at www.girlmuseum.org. In this week's edition of Girl Speak, we will be taking a look at several female figures in Greek mythology. Like many other prominent pagan societies, the ancient Greeks worshipped a separate deity for almost every item or daily action. As a result, there are unfortunately far too many to discuss in the time we have today. Instead, I have chosen to limit the focus of our discussion to Medusa, Hera and Themis, as each of their stories interlinks with one another in some way. While we unfortunately don't have the time to provide a comprehensive look into each of these three mythological figures, as each of them are figures who feature in a multitude of tales, I hope to provide you with a glimpse into the mythology of ancient Greece, the importance that these female figures held within their ancient culture, as well as the influence that they have had over the culture today. Medusa is merely known today as being the woman with the head of snakes, whose gaze could turn an onlooker into a stone statue. However, her origin story is far more varied, and at times more tragic than many people understand. Medusa was the most well-known out of three sisters known as the Gorgons, who were the daughters of the primordial sea deities Phorces and Ceto. Medusa was the only mortal out of these sisters, as Steno and Eurali were both born immortal. The word Gorgon derives from an ancient Greek word meaning fierce, terrible or grim. Each of their names also give a hint to a prominent factor of their appearance or personality. So, for example, Medusa means to guard or protect. This relates to an extremely significant period following her death, where her decapitated head was used for protection on Athena's shield and armour. Hesiod's Theogony places the Gorgons as living beyond glorious ocean and past the home of the Hesperides, who were the nymphs of the sunset. However, this location is disputed by later authors such as Herodotus and Pausanias, who locate them as residing in Libya. While much of the Greek mythology surrounding Medusa relates to her death and events after this, rather than her actions as a living figure, later Latin mythology provides her with a slightly different and more detailed origin story. In the earlier Greek stories, Medusa, like her sisters, was born a monster and was described as being covered in serpents, having multiple tongues, large teeth that would gnash furiously, as well as wings and long sharp claws. However, Ovid and his fellow Roman authors provide us with the image that we know of today, of a beautiful young woman who was cursed with a hideous appearance and had snakes for her hair. Ovid himself tells the story of Medusa as a young celibate priestess in a temple of Hera, with golden wavy hair and who had devoted herself to her goddess. Then, depending on the myth, she was either raped or enticed by Poseidon, which resulted in her breaking her vow of celibacy to Hera within the temple. As a result, Hera cursed her so that each wavy lock of her hair that had tempted the sea god would be transformed into the head of a venomous snake, along with her beautiful eyes ensnaring those who looked upon her and turning them to stone. 
Ovid believed that Medusa was so repulsed by her transformation that she fled the temple and civilization in order to isolate herself from the rest of the world. The poem tells of her initial visit to Africa, where while wandering, young snakes fell from her hair and nested in the ground. This explaining to the ancient Greeks why Africa was known for its venomous reptiles. The myth of Perseus and Medusa originates in Hesiod's Theogony, however both the Greek poets Pindar and Apollodorus also wrote of the story in great detail. Like many other Greek tales of demigods, it began with a quest. Perseus was the son of Zeus and Danae, the princess of Argos. It had been foretold to her father, King Acretius, that his grandson was destined to kill him, so in response he locked Danae away. However, Zeus in his philandering ways had become attracted to Danae and visited her one night in the form of a shower of gold, which resulted in the conception of Perseus. As Acretius did not wish to provoke Zeus by killing her and the child directly, he instead placed them inside a locked wooden chest, which he then threw into the sea, expecting them both to perish. Instead, they were rescued by Dictus, who was the fisherman brother of King Polydectes of the island of Seriphos. He raised Perseus to manhood before Polydectes chose to make Danae his wife. However, Perseus believed he was dishonourable and stopped their union. As a result, Polydectes appeared to trick Perseus instead and held a large banquet under the pretense that he wished to collect contributions for the marriage of Hippodamia, the horse-taming bride of King Perithus of the Lapis. Guests were requested to bring horses, of which Polydectes knew Perseus had none. Instead, Perseus offered to bring any gift that the king of Argos could name, and Polydectes seized the opportunity and asked for the head of the only mortal Gorgon, Medusa. Perseus first went to the gods of Olympus in order to receive the divine gifts that would aid him on his quest. He received a reflective bronze shield from Athena, a helmet of darkness from Hades, and winged sandals from Hermes, which granted him the power of flight. Eventually, Perseus located the mythical cave of the Gorgons and managed to slay Medusa by beheading her while she slept. Most of our ancient authors agree that he was only able to gain this advantage by using the shield given to him by Athena in order to safely glance at her before attacking. Once she was dead, the winged horse Pegasus and Chrysor, the warrior with the golden sword, sprung from her severed neck. These were both considered to be the children of Medusa and Poseidon throughout mythology. Her sisters Steno and Euralia attempted to pursue per Perseus, however the Helmet of Darkness granted invisibility. It's unclear if the famed adventures of Pegasus and Perseus began here, however, as some poets show him fleeing with the sandals of Hermes. Perseus safely bagged the head of Medusa as the powers of its stony gaze were still potent, before embarking on his journey back to Argos. He stopped in Ethiopia, where King Cephas and Queen Cassiopeia were still being tormented by Cetus, the sea monster of Poseidon. The ocean deity was attacking Ethiopia in retribution for Cassiopeia declaring herself and her daughter Andromeda equally as beautiful as the Nereids, who were a group of sea nymphs. Perseus slew Cetus and won the hand of Andromeda in return, despite her prior betrothal to another. After a heated altercation with her betrothed, Perseus used the head of Medusa to turn him into stone. Continuing on his return to Argos, Perseus met the titan Atlas. Again, following a heated dispute between the two, Perseus used the head of Medusa to turn Atlas into stone. 
This story was used by the ancient Greeks to explain the creation of the Atlas Mountains in northwestern Africa. While doing so, Medusa's blood spilled onto the ground, which was believed to have formed the venomous Macroviperia deserti snake that is native to Libya, a snake which was responsible for the death of Mospos, the Argonaut in Latin mythology. After eventually returning to Argos, Perseus managed to avenge the trickery of Polydectus by turning both him and his court into stone. Instead of claiming the kingdom for himself, he handed it to his adopted father Dictus, before handing Medusa's head to Athena, who used it to adorn both her shield and breastplate in battle. As a result, a Gorgon head shield decoration was extremely popular in ancient Greece from the 6th century BCE onwards, as it was believed to protect its wearer in battle by warding off evil. This popularity continued well into the Roman period as well. Overall, while the majority of the stories involving Medusa relay the use of her head following her death, they do still depict her as an extremely powerful female figure. After all, who else have you heard of who brought down a titan despite being dead? Let's now move on to another powerful female deity in Greek mythology, and one that we've already come across today, Hera. So Hera was the patron goddess of both Argos and Samos, which would have given her the equivalent role of that of Athena in Athens. The festivals in her honour were marked as predominantly agricultural, however as patron she was also honoured in an annual procession known as the Shield, with the event in Samos being armed. These events derive from a patron deity being seen as both a chief in peace and war. Hera was the sister-wife of Zeus, and as such was believed to be the daughter of the Titans, Kronos and Rhea. Some sources confuse this and depict her as a child of Oceanus and Tethys, although Homer's Iliad explains that these were her surrogate parents, who raised her while Zeus battled and ultimately killed their father. As the wife of Zeus, Hera was the queen of all deities on Mount Olympus, as well as being individually worshipped for matters relating to both marriage and childbirth. She was one of the few deities who remained faithful to her partner, and as a result she is often associated with fidelity and monogamy. This resulted in her representing the ideal woman to the ancient Greeks. Hera was best known for her jealous and vengeful nature, particularly against those who were believed to be the lovers of her husband or their illegitimate children. Before we explore these stories in greater detail, let us first look at the beginning of the relationship between Hera and Zeus. Pausanias, in his description of Greece, writes of Zeus changing his form into a cuckoo to seduce her, a bird which she then caught and kept as a pet. As a result of this myth, her sacred bird was originally said to be a cuckoo. Callimachus added that Zeus loved Hera passionately, and their union bore Ares, the god of war, Hebe, the goddess of youth, and the Eulithla, who was said to represent both furthering birth and delaying labour. Hera was closely identified with the Eulithla, who were also referred to as one goddess, in her role as the deity of childbirth. Occasionally she even bore the same name in certain locations, such as in Athens and Argos. Hera was also the sole parent of Hephaestus, the god of metalwork, whom she gave birth to in response of Zeus's independent conception of the goddess Athena. However, she threw him from Olympus for his ugliness, and on his fall he became lame. As a result, Hephaestus imprisoned his mother on a metal throne in retribution, and only released her when she promised him the hand of Aphrodite in return. 
While Zeus and Hera appeared genuinely in love, he was famed for his many lovers as well. Despite being a revered goddess in her own right, Hera is now predominantly known for her vast acts of retribution against either the women involved in these affairs or the children who resulted from their unions. One of these women was Leto, the daughter of the titans Chios and Phoebe. Earlier examples of Greek mythology, such as those by Homer, shows Leto as an early wife of Zeus. However, later classical mythology by poets such as Apollodorus and Callimachus show her as his concubine instead. The story goes that Leto caught the attention of Zeus as a result of her beauty, and she soon became pregnant with the twins Apollo and Artemis. Hera discovered this and threatened to curse any land that housed her while she was carrying his children. She eventually came across the remote Greek island of Delos, where she eventually gave birth. The labour was a long one as Hera used her daughters the Ulithla to prolong it to nine full days. Following this, Leto was unable to nurse her children. However, the goddess of justice, Themis, intervened and gave Apollo nectar and ambrosia to nourish him to full health. As a result of this act of kindness, Delos became a sacred island to both Apollo and the Greeks. Henceforth, it was unlawful for any human being to either be born or to die on the island. Instead, all pregnant women were made to journey to the nearby island of Rhenea. Another popular story of Hera's jealousy is seen in the tale of the Argive princess Io. The myth begins with Zeus falling in love with her while she was a priestess at the temple of Hera. As he knew of Hera's previous jealousy, he transformed Io into a pure white cow, and placed her under the care of Hermes in order to protect her from any retribution from his wife. However, Hera discovered his deception and forcibly took custody of the cow before setting the 100-eyed Argus to guard her. Zeus responded by sending Hermes to steal her back, and the messenger deity lulled Argus to sleep with the sweetness of his flute before cutting off his head. After admitting defeat, Hera sent a gadfly to continuously pester Io, something which is still seen with cows and other livestock today. In her grief at the loss of Argus, Hera placed his 100 eyes onto the tail of a bird in memory, thus creating a peacock. This act established the peacock as her sacred bird over her earlier choice of the cuckoo. These are just two of many prominent tales about Hera's action against the lovers of Zeus. Other stories include Semele, who was tricked by Hera into asking Zeus to show her his godly splendour, the sight of which killed her instantly. Another is Callisto, whom Hera turned into a bear and sent Artemis to hunt. However, by far, her most popular story relates to her wrath towards Alcamene and her son with Zeus, Heracles, also known as Hercules. Hera initially had asked her daughters, the Eulithla, to delay his birth in order for his cousin to claim the th throne of Mycenae in his place. Then while he was still an infant, she sent two poisonous snakes to kill him while he slept, both of whom failed. Once Heracles had reached adulthood, Hera had eventually drove him mad with visions, which led him to kill his wife and children in the confusion. Heracles was overcome with grief, and Hera, continuing her jealous rage, orchestrated the command for King Ulysses to issue him with the twelve labours in order to pay penance for his actions. These famous stories included the slaying of the Nemean lion, whose skin he infamously wore, the battle against the Lernaean hydra, 
and the capturing of the girdle worn by Queen Hippolyta of the Amazons. As each task was designed to kill the hero, Hera had sneakily already alerted the Amazons to his plan to steal it before he did so. She hoped that each of these challenges would be fatal, however the demigod Heracles defeated each challenge and eventually settled on Olympus. Several of these trials are well known today, as they are shown in the 1997 Disney film Hercules. Alongside matrimonial jealousy, Hera also suffered with other forms of jealousy. As such, she is a major protagonist in the tale of the Trojan War that is told in Homer's Iliad, particularly in the story of the Judgment of Paris. The myth tells of a banquet that was held in celebration of the marriage of Peleus and Thetis, the parents of the hero Achilles. Eris, the goddess of discord, was not invited through the fear of her spoiling the party. Angered by this, Eris threw a golden apple down from Olympus into the party, with a note that explained it was for the most beautiful woman there. Three goddesses claimed this as a prize, Hera, Aphrodite and Athena, and so asked Zeus to decide which of them should receive it. However, Zeus refused to answer and instead declared that Paris, a Trojan prince, should decide instead. Each deity attempted to bribe him in order to sway him to their favour. Aphrodite promised the hand in marriage of Helen, the most beautiful woman in the world. Hera offered to make him the sole king of Europe and Asia, while Athena offered wisdom and unparalleled skill in war. Now Paris was vain and chose Aphrodite on the promise of Helen, which spurned the other deities. Hera did not forgive him for this slight, and as a result the Queen of Olympus schemed with other deities to bring down Troy, an action that was believed to have resulted in the Trojan War. Overall, Hera can be seen in very contrasting roles. One is nurturing and honours the sanctity of marriage and the children, while the other is extremely vengeful and dangerously jealous. These have both resulted in Hera being seen in more modern periods as an extremely formidable and powerful deity. Finally, let's look at Themis, who we mentioned earlier in connection with the birth of Apollo on the island of Delos. The word Themis translates to order in the ancient Greek language, with the female deity being seen as a personification of justice, alongside the deity of wisdom, good counsel and the interpreter of the divine order. Hesiod's Theogony shows her to be a titan, who was the daughter of Uranus and Gaia, heaven and earth. However, other sources also confuse her with Gaia occasionally, particularly the plays of the Greek tragedian Aeschylus. While confusing, this shows the extent that her power was believed to have. Themis was believed to be the second consort of Zeus after Hera in earlier mythology. However, classical poetry shows her as one of his many lovers instead. As a result of their union, we are given the Horai, also known as the Seasons, as well as the Morai, who were also known as the Fates. Their union was believed to have stabilised Zeus's power over all gods on Olympus and mortals on the Earth, as she was responsible for maintaining order and supervising the ceremonial. Surprisingly, unlike all lovers of Zeus, she was on friendly terms with Hera. Themis was also believed to be the first counsellor of Zeus, and was often shown seated beside his throne to advise him on the rules of fate. She was considered to represent the law and disputed order, otherwise known as the divine right. This meant that she alone was solely responsible for the creation of the divine laws, which governed over everything and everyone, including the gods themselves. 
While the term divine law meant laws which had been passed down from the gods, it also came to mean the rules of conduct that were long established by tradition. Unlike the nomos, that is the Greek laws that were made by human decree, the laws of Themis were not considered to be changeable. Alongside this role as the governor of law, Themis was also believed to be the giver of oracles, as well as being a prophetic goddess. It was told in the Greek tragedy Eumenides by Achilles that she had originally owned the infamous Del Delphic oracle on the island of Delos. Following her nurturing of Apollo, she had come to care for him so much that she dedicated both the island and the oracle to him. This role eventually links in with the divine laws, as she was believed to have been the initial divine voice, or Themistes, who had first instructed mankind of the primal laws of justice, morality, piety, good governance and conduct of assembly. Like Hera, Themis was also believed to have featured in the tale of the Trojan War. The lost epic of Cypria is believed to feature both Themis and Zeus working together to plan the war in order to remedy the overpopulation of Greece. Plato also writes in his Republic that Eris only presented the golden apple which led to the judgement of Paris, following the persuasion of Themis as part of this plan. Her cult was widespread in Greece, rather than being worshipped in one specific location, and she was often represented as a woman with a sober appearance, carrying a pair of weighing scales. These scales have since been referred to as the scales of justice, due to her association with the rule of divine law. As a result, Themis herself is now better known as the Lady of Justice, a known figure in the study of the legal system. As well as being widespread in ancient Greece, Themis was also worshipped in locations such as Thebes in Egypt. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to tune in to our next one on the 15th of July, where we will be exploring the Leesbury Stockade Girls. Also, please help to support future production of Girlspeak by visiting us at www.girlmuseum.org and clicking donate. Thank you and have a wonderful day. If you like hearing a fresh, girl-positive perspective on the internet, please support us with a tax-deductible donation easily made on our website. Our music is courtesy of up-and-coming artist Han Av. You can find her SoundCloud link on our website.